Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris, and this is the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. Former Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler from the state of Missouri is here, and I'm just really honored that uh, she's uh, joined the show. Um, and uh, let me tell you, Congressman Hartzler was served in Congress for 12 years. Before that, she served in the Missouri State House for, I think, six years. Uh, she might correct me on the record here, but uh, quickly became a leader amongst the conservatives in Congress and, and uh, served on many different committees, including certain defense committees and investigation committee and several others. And uh, I was really sad when she uh, uh, wasn't serving anymore, but she, God's calling her on to bigger and better things. And yes, there are bigger things than Congress, but uh, I'm really honored to have you with us today, Congresswoman Hartzler. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, so um, uh, you served in Congress during some really interesting times, I think partially during the Obama administration and then during the Trump years. And, um, and uh, you decided last year, or I guess maybe before that a little bit, but to run for the U.S. Senate there in Missouri. And un unfortunately, that didn't turn out how you wanted. But what have you been doing since Congress? Tell, uh, update us on uh, the things you're working on. Sure. Well, I've been doing some speaking and some writing and uh, just catching up on a lot of projects and friends, but also just uh, praying about what we can do to save this nation. And one of the things that's really been laid on my heart to save our nation is that we need to save the people in the nation. And uh, over the past several years, you know, I've fought hard in Washington and still believe that we need godly people in office to, to make sure that our country stays uh, grounded in those foundational values. But I've also been convinced, just like John Adams said, that this Constitution is only for moral and, and right people, and that we need to have people's hearts changed. Otherwise, we're just kind of fighting a losing battle in Washington, D.C., trying to pass legislation without people uh, coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and having their their lives changed as a result of it. And we wouldn't have to pass near as many laws if people were living according to, to God's uh, plan. And um, so one thing I've been um, thinking of and visiting with some people around my, uh, my church and my town is, is to try to implement a, a way to take the town for Christ by mm -hmm. combining some things I learned when I campaigned, but uh, basically having an adopt a street program and dividing mm -hmm. up the town between the different churches and then having families within those churches adopt a street and go door to door uh, down once a month and introduce themselves to the families and basically fulfill what Jesus said to go and make disciples of men. 
and get to know people and hopefully have an opportunity to share with them about the love of Christ. Um, so I'm excited about that idea. Yeah. It's nothing new. I know others have done it, but I think we really need to be more proactive in fulfilling God's great commission and, and help people because people are hurting. That's the bottom line. Uh, just as Jesus saw the people and had compassion on them, you know, I've seen people in my district and I too care for them and I want them uh, to know the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that is awesome. I think that's probably a first for me to ever hear a former congressman or anybody like say, yeah, we need to win souls. <laughs> so, you you know, a lot of times people get out of Congress and they want to go on book tours and serve on boards and make uh, oodles and oodles of money. So I think that's just absolutely awesome, uh, Vicki. You know, there's a ministry here in Colorado Springs called Every Home for Christ, and they specialize in that door-to-door -door evangelism all over the world. So, and uh, I don't know how many millions of people have come to the Lord through them, but I know it's a lot. And so I'm praying that that is 100% successful and inspires other people. It sounds awesome to me. I'd, maybe I'll come up there and knock a few doors with you. <laughs> That, that sounds great. Uh, I have to tell a quick story about when I first ran for state representative, um, I felt like it was the Lord's will that I run for office. It was kind of a, a, a tough situation politically at that time here in my area uh, for a conservative to run, but I felt like I was supposed to. But I didn't know if it was God's will that I win or not. Um, so I thought, well, I'm just going to pray as, as I campaign. I go up and down this street, pray that God would give me opportunity to point people to him uh, at the same time I'm campaigning and leave the results of the campaign in his hands. And I was amazed how many times uh, God gave me an opportunity since I went to somebody's door to actually share with them. One lady uh, opened the door and I started my little campaign speech and she said, she burst into tears and she said, my husband just left me and I don't know what to do. Mm. And so, you know, I put away that campaign brochure and just ministered and said, what can I do? Can I pray for you? Do you have a church home? You know, do you have some family support, et cetera? And uh, it just showed, impressed upon me that when we as members of the church, the body of Christ, get out of the church building and actually go and meet the people and work with the, the Holy Spirit, God will give us opportunities to minister to people who are hurting and who need him. And uh, so I'm excited about this as well. And uh, just pray that it's it just uh, multiplies all over and uh, our nation has been able will be able to be changed uh, from from the inside out. Amen. Well, uh, folks, you're watching the Truth and Liberty live call in show. I'm Richard Harris and my special guest today is former Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler from Missouri. And uh, we've been talking so far uh, on the program about hardcore politics. No, we've been talking about winning the world to Jesus one person at a time. Isn't that awesome? And uh, I wanted to remind everybody who's watching today that next week is the annual Truth and Liberty Conference here at uh, the campus of Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. It's gonna be from September 7th, the Thursday evening through Saturday at 5 p.m. And there's a lot of stuff that you will wanna experience 
And so uh, be sure to make it out. There's still room for you. Go on our website at truthandliberty.net and register today. Uh, one of the key things that you're going to enjoy is a brand new drama created by Robert and Elizabeth Murin called Overturned that is going to commemorate the reversal of Roe versus Wade. I, I tell you, I'm predicting right now there will not be a dry eye in the house. It is powerful. Um, and so uh, the only way you can see it is uh, either watching online or coming out in person, but it'll be a lot better if you come out in person. Plus, we're going to have amazing speakers. David Barton is going to be here, Chad Connolly, uh, Pastor Lucas Miles, Janet Porter, um, and Mohammed Faridi, and Andrew Womack and me. So, oh, plus Alex McFarlane, your favorite. So, it's going to be awesome, folks. Be sure to come out and enjoy the conference. Well, uh, Vicki, um, we've had you on the program once before. I, I want to have you on more, uh, but I just really appreciate the update. Speaking of getting of, of making a difference, um, do you feel like that Christians in America um, need to get more involved in public life? Um, are we a little bit too stuck in our four walls of our church and uh, sort of uh, you know enjoying our meetings but uh, not really impacting the world? Yeah, not as much as we should, uh, I don't think. And and part of that is for to be in, involved in the the culture around us and the society. And uh, too too long we as Christians set aside and said, well, we don't want to get involved in dirty politics. And you know we have this problem in that in churches we encourage people to register to vote and we have these get out the vote efforts. But too many times you get in the ballot box and there's nobody on the ballot that shares your views mm. and values. And so it's important that we uh, encourage people to run for office and get involved and be there at the seat of that school board, uh, be at the city council, on the city council already, uh, run for state representative, uh, county office, et cetera. And I think we can avoid a lot of the problems that we have where we hear on the news that the school board has approved some some awful book for children, and then we show up in mass and try to convince people who don't share our views and values, who've already voted that way, to change their mind instead of being proactive and encouraging people to consider and pray about following the calling of the ministry of public service mm -hmm. and run for office to begin with and serve God and others through public office. And then we would be there already. Uh, helping to make those decisions and stopping bad ones and preserve our, our godly values of our country. So, yes, we need to get more engaged and we need to step up and, and run for office and follow that lead. You know, I think sometimes people, um, the average person out there, um, that when they think of politics, they think of the president or they think of Congress. They don't realize how much impact that you can have just serving at a local level, right? Like you kind of mentioned school board or, or something else like that. What are your thoughts on that? Which is more, maybe this isn't a fair question, right? But which is more important, that school board member or which person is going to have more impact on, on people's daily lives, that school board member or, or serving in Congress, do you think? Well, they're needed both places, obviously, but many of our cultural battles are taking place at the local level, at, at the school level, and at the, the county and the city uh, council level, what they're approving or not. And it, uh, it is imperative that we have Christians at all levels of government. And certainly those who don't share our views and values have long uh, known this. Mm -hmm. and had campaign schools to raise up uh, farm teams to place their people who support their values 
at every level. When I wrote my book, Running God's Way, I did some research on some of the other groups, and I was shocked to see how far behind we as conservatives, and certainly conservative Christians were, and being proactive about recruiting and training people to run successfully for office. And uh, so we've got to take back territory that we have through our apathy and focus on other areas have let go and to our own detriment. And now we're trying to catch up and we're living with the results of that. So I've been encouraged uh, over the last several years, the number of people of faith that are stepping forward and understanding the importance of running for office and to take back territory that yeah, yeah. Uh, really has been taken from us. Yeah, amen. You know, I saw a study uh, not too long ago on religious um, active political activity by religious group or religious affiliation, and it had every possible denomination and race and combination thereof, and it was this long, long list. But by far, the most active group in America are atheists, and it was it was really discouraging in that sense, or uh, you know, um, they give more money, uh, they spend more hours in act, uh, attending political meetings and this kind of stuff. I suppose maybe it's because to them politics is their god, perhaps. Uh, but but as Christians, if we surrender that that you know the the arena of government to those who don't believe in the Lord, um, you know, I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise if we get un, ungodly policies. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's startling, those statistics there. But yeah, we've got to re-engage. And certainly our founding fathers set the example of that. And of course, there are people rewriting history, trying to take that uh, away, that knowledge. But many of them were Christians. And because of that, they felt compelled to use those values and their, uh, their God-given talents to try to shape a godly country and society. Mm -hmm. And we need to get back to that. Well, Vicki, I think our viewers would uh, enjoy hearing some comments from you probably about what's going on in the world today. Um, and I want to remind everybody, this is a live call-in show, as you know, and uh, we are the, the phone lines are open. Call in now and you'll get in first there at 719-619-2341. Again, it's 719-619-2341. We're going to start taking calls after the first break uh, coming up here in a little bit. But Vicki, one of the things that I think is uh, in... Uh, alarming Christians the most these days is what's happening in our schools. And I know that you are, um, uh, you know, you're a mom and I, I think you're, I, I might step on and tell you, you're a grandma maybe, but <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, I thought you had like our, a whole bunch of. Our daughter oh. just got married this summer, but we're looking forward to that in the future. So I rushed it. Please forgive me. Um, okay. we're, in the, we're in the same boat there. Uh, uh, but the, um, uh, the, the point is, though, that um, I think we've reached a time in our country where we can't just send our kids to public schools and, and expect them to learn uh, the sound biblical principles, uh, you know, that maybe older Americans learned in school. Um, are you, are, do you have an eye on what's going on? Do you have any thoughts about where we are in that area? Well, it is very concerning. I'm a former public school teacher. I taught school for 11 years, too. And I do believe that we need Christians to be teachers, uh, too. We need to take back our public schools. Not every family, not every uh, state has school choice. Not every family has the finances to to have their child go to a, uh, a Christian school. And so 
we need more. I say there, I know many Christians, uh, teachers in public schools now, but we need more and it's tough. I'll tell you, it is a tough environment to teach there. Um, it, it is a ministry field, uh, but it is something that parents also have to be very involved in and very vigilant in what their kids are learning and what they're hearing, not just from the teacher, but from the other kids. Um, there's so many families that are in disarray and it is, it is a, a tough, tough society that we live in now and parents certainly should be supplementing and teaching and taking back that role of t instructing their children in the Bible and the ways of the Lord and what the Bible has to say about uh, the issues that their child may be hearing in school. And because you can't just leave it up to uh, other people to, to teach him those things because it is a, a war zone. Um, and uh, certainly we've always had a struggle between good and evil in this country, but uh, children are, seem to be right in the middle of it. And I'm very, very disturbed by this the gender transition situation and the, the idea that people and children could be encouraged to change their gender. I mean, this is absolutely horrific. And I'm proud of the parents who are pushing back and, and suing. I read last week that there was a professor at some university that said it's actually uh, okay for children to think of themselves as some mythical creature like a mermaid or, or whatever. And this is from a professor and they said we should celebrate this child as they're uh, exploring their gender. Uh, come on. I mean, it, we've got to protect our children. We've got to stand up against these horrific teachings and make sure that they're stopped and that parents have the right to know what is being instructed yeah. and to have a say over that. Um, that's why the Republicans in Congress have been fighting for the Parents' Bill of Rights to pass so that every parent has that right. Uh, but I would say most of them uh, right now, uh, that information should be available. Uh, parents shouldn't hesitate to go to the local school and say, let me talk to your teacher and I, I'd love to, I want to know the curriculum. And I want to know, you cannot talk uh, to them about changing their transition uh, or their gender. You need to let me know if there's concerns and if they try to change their pronouns. I mean, parents are being blocked from some of these things and that's absolutely not acceptable. Amen. Well, we we had on our show a few weeks ago a woman named Erin Lee, and I want to encourage everybody who's watching, if you haven't didn't get to see that show, go back in our archives and watch my interview with Erin Lee. Erin uh, is a mom uh, from northern Colorado, uh, the, the Larimer County area, whose daughter, 12-year-old daughter, right after COVID, was just back in school and didn't have any, it was a new school for her, didn't have any friends. And anyway, a, a teacher invited her to what she called art club after school. And uh, so mom, well, my daughter likes art, so sure, that sounds great. She went to art club, but it wasn't art club. It was actually Gay Student Alliance and an indoctrination session where her daughter was told things like, if you're not 100% comfortable in your body, then that means you're trans. And do you know who you're attracted to? If you don't, that means you're queer. And, oh, you're trans and queer. Here, take this rainbow flag and these stickers and this button, and now you're part of the club. We're all trans, queer, and gay. And all of a sudden she has friends and she comes home and says, Mom, I'm trans. Uh, you're what, excuse me, how did this happen? What's going on? And it, it sent her on an 18 month downhill spiral 
that almost ended in suicide, um, a prescribed drug, took her to a psychiatrist who also in Colorado, children have been, as young as 12, have been given control over their psychiatric care without parental power. And the doctor gave her psychotropic medication without mom's consent and uh, absolute horror story. So it's incredible what's going on. And of course, mom, they were told her that this is a safe place and these are safe adults, but mom and dad are, may not be safe. So you can lie to them about what happened here. Literally told her that and uh, on and on the story goes. So it is a huge issue and, um, and something that we've all got to stand up and fight against. Vicki, I'm wondering as a former school teacher, what is it like now for a Christian to be a teacher in our public school systems? Can they make a difference and how, how can they do that? Sure, it depends on obviously the school and, and you know, your uh, fellow teachers. I mean, there may be, if there's several other Christians there, it may not be that 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 bad. Uh, but I know that there are situations too where you're one of the only Christians and you have a totally different worldview than anybody else. You have a different uh, viewpoint on education and what should be taught. Um, but I think it's important that Christians be there so you could be salt and light, so you can be a counter voice for the, your students. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, if they're hearing something in one classroom uh, and it's in the course of conversation or in instruction, you can say, well, this is, this is what I believe mm -hmm. and here's why. And give them at least another viewpoint. And through your relationships with the students, you can witness. You can't uh, perhaps openly, um, but you can, you can say, well, I go to church. I, I believe this. God means a lot to me. When I was nine years old, you know, he made a big difference in my life. He's my best friend. He's been my best mm. friend ever since. And you can, wow. you can begin those conversations just like the other side is having conversations. Well, when I was nine, I thought I was a boy and I changed my mind. You know, I have a rainbow flag. Well, you know, you could have the American flag and say, you know, I love this country. Yeah. And here's why. You know, there's, it's just an only place in the world where we can have freedom to go and play and do and go to church or not and, and do things. I mean, it's important that they have a presence, a godly presence in their lives. And so you have that opportunity to do it. And I do believe it's a calling too. And uh, so I, I hope that, you know, God will call more uh, Christians to go into education. And uh, of course, I, I love the Christian schools too, and pray that we have even more of those. Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there because our kids, kids need us. Well, Vicki, I see on the bookshelf there behind you, a copy of your book, Running God's Way. And uh, we're putting it up here on the screen uh, today. This is available at Amazon and ChristianBook.com. Um, and you uh, ran and with no political experience and were successful. And you learned a lot during that, during that experience. And, and you've recorded those lessons on how you can do it with integrity and honor the Lord. Can you talk about what's in that book and why people need to get a copy of it? Yeah, you bet. So I was a teacher and was asked one night when I was grading papers, I got a phone call asking me to run for state representative. And I'd actually thought of, thought of that when I was nine years old, making mud pies on my front lawn. That's a whole nother story, but I'd become wow. a Christian and uh, was talking to God. And anyway, that thought came in my head, but Anyway, I was uh, asked to run for state rep, and so I didn't know anything about it. Uh, felt like after prayer that my husband and I, that that's what I was supposed to do. I went to a couple of campaign schools. Like I said, it was a difficult political environment, but uh, we end up 
uh, going door to door and working hard and uh, a lot of people joined and helped and we ended up winning with almost 60% and I really believe that God gave me a ministry. It's a ministry of public service. Uh, and I had the privilege of serving uh, six years in the Missouri House of Representatives. And um, during that time, people would ask me, well, how did you win? How did you do this? I'm thinking about running for county office or city office or this or that. How did you? And so I was starting to write some things down. And then we were blessed with our daughter. Uh, and I decided to not run for re-election so I could be a stay-at-home mom for a season. And uh, I was praying one night while I was in <laughs> in Jefferson City, uh, uh, read my Bible, and I came upon a scripture that I hadn't really paid attention to before, and it jumped out at me, and it's like, here's all the steps for campaigning right here in the Bible. And I felt like hmm. God said, this is what you can do for the next season of your life when you have a little one at home. You can put together uh, some of the things that you learned, the practical how-tos of running for office, but also point them to God's Word as being the source of everything, even how to run for office. And so that started uh, the the idea of different chapters for different things based on based on this verse, and it's kind of an unusual section of scripture. It's Absalom, and of course he was the son of David that kind of took over for a while, and uh, isn't necessarily considered a good guy. Uh, but as I struggle with that, it's, God says in Timothy, all scripture is God breathed and it's useful for training and teaching and, and righteousness. And there's a lot there. So how he ran, he used the techniques that we still use today. He made himself look godly. He would get up, uh, go with hired 50 men to run ahead of him in the chariot and he looked uh, good. And then he would go to the city gate every morning early. Uh, so you go to the people and then he would... Uh, Asked them when they came in, are you from uh, Israel? Are you from Israel? So basically he was targeting. And if he was, they would he would give the message to them. And that would be, uh, boy, it's too bad nobody is here to be able to take your complaint before the king. You know, now if only I were made a king, then I would ensure everyone gets justice. So basically he's wow. given a campaign speech there. Yeah, and did. then when people approached him uh, and they tried to bow down, he would lift them up and he would kiss them on the cheek and he would say, oh, no, no, you know, let's, I'm, I'm one of you basically. Hmm. And it says that because of all this, he won the hearts of the people of Israel. Um, and so while I say in the book, we should run for office and serve with the heart of David, uh, heart for God, we can use some of the strategies that Absalom used. And so we have different chapters in the book that starts off just how to make a campaign plan because Absalom said in the course of time, he did this or that. He plotted, he planned, he made a plan. He looked apart how to give a speech, how to get volunteers. Uh, he used the book of Nehemiah for that, all the people that rebuilt the wall, how to get volunteers, how to go door to door, uh, how to what to do with yard signs, how to give a speech, a debate. Um, and we have practical ha tips at the back. It gives you examples of push cards and, and ads for the newspaper. We have a section on social media there and how to use that. So it's just wow. a one-stop shop of how to run successfully for office. And it draws in scriptures to, to help uh, bring those points to light. That's, that's awesome. And uh, what a resource that must be. 
Uh, and um, I, you know, I want to remind everybody that this is a call-in show. What other opportunity do you have to call in and actually talk to a former congressman and any question that you want, hear Bible questions or politi politics, culture, whatever, uh, we're game. So call in 719-619-2341. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half left in this segment. And Vicki, so that book, Running God's Way, um, David Barton recommended it to me uh, uh, you know, a few years ago, actually, and uh, it is an excellent book. Do you have students that, are, that use that and have run for office successfully? Yes, and I've had several people over the years contact me and say, hey, I used your book and it helped me run it successfully for state representative or city council or whatever. So I've been encouraged by that. But I was blessed by David's, uh, both his endorsement of the book, as well as Tony Perkins, the Family Research Council. And David uh, actually helped set up a, a program on political science and in several Christian universities and recommended my book as the textbook, one of them. Uh, so my book is actually being used in some of those Christian colleges, which I'm, I'm honored that they would use it in that wow. way. Wow. And it's, it's an easy read, guys. It's not uh, super long. It's not like some of the textbooks I got in college. This thing's about like that thick. So any of you can read it. And so it's a real blessing. And, um, uh, so Vicki uh, uh, has served in Congress for 12 years and in the Missouri State House for six. I think I got those numbers right and uh, was a great leader there. So this is a real resource for you guys. Um, we're coming up on a break here in 30 seconds to share some information with you and we'll be right back after that. One thing I did want to tell you guys before we go to the break, 9-11 uh, is coming up and uh, if you've ever seen the commemorative drama put together by Robert and Elizabeth Murin for that, uh, if you've never seen it, you need to. And we're going to be uh, showing that here live on campus on September 11th after the Truth and Liberty Conference, so be sure to check that out. We're going to go on a break now. We'll be right back in a minute and a half. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. It's not enough to know what God's will is, but you have to learn how to do things God's way. Now, because of the new man on the inside of me, because of the cross, I can daily deny self. And if you don't learn to do that, you're not gonna fulfill all God's will for your life. You know, you don't find the beginning of God until you get to the end of yourself. This generation, is a generation of great darkness, and God is raising up a deliverer to shine in the midst of all of this darkness. But in Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Christ. Some people just quote, I can do all things. No, you can't. But through Christ, you can do all things. You gotta have these two opposites in balance. I'm nothing, but I'm everything in Christ. Okay, well, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and uh, my special guest today is former Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler from the Show Me State of Missouri. And so we're just having the best conversation here about all sorts of things, including how to run for office. But Vicki, I wanted to ask you, before we start taking questions, if you might comment, I know that you served on the... Um, 
Uh, the, let me see here, the Tactical Air and Land Forces Subcommittee of the Armed Services Committee in Congress. So you probably know a great deal about the state of our readiness of our military versus some of our adversaries. I'm most concerned about China and, uh, you know, the buildup that we've seen uh, financed largely by U.S. dollars. And, you know, now China has a massive, massive Navy, Air Force, everything with the just super high-tech weaponry. And they're, they're showing all sorts of signs of aggression. What, are you concerned about the state of affairs with China? And um, what, what can you tell us about that? I, I am. I uh, was a member of the Armed Services Committee for 12 years, and I was the ranking member of that, as you mentioned, the Tactical Air and Land Forces Subcommittee. Uh, I chaired the Investigation and, and uh, Investigation Subcommittee at one point. And uh, I was shocked when I got to Congress and started sitting in on uh, classified briefings to learn where we are in compared to other countries, especially China and Russia in their capabilities. And I hadn't realized as an ordinary American citizen, and I don't think most citizens in our country know how China has advanced and well caught up to us in many capabilities and that now exceeds us in some capabilities. Um, it is very, very concerning. And uh, Xi Jinping is very aggressive he has the goal of retaking the world dominance uh, from uh, from the United States and have it be in China. They have a plan. It's not a secret. They've been uh, moving forward with that from militarily uh, expanding greatly to also economically. They have a Belt and Road Initiative where they have purposely gone out and set up new ports and uh, resources and they work with other countries, especially third world countries. And uh, they, they give them a loan at high interest rate and the country can't pay. And so they take over the port or the resources or the area and they're just methodically uh, moving forward with this, but also doing a uh, propaganda, soft propaganda campaign as well with Confucius Institutes and other things to try to soften up people so they don't think China's really that bad. But it's, it is very, very concerning. And now China, you see it partnering with Russia, especially with what's going on in Ukraine. Um, this is very, very, very concerning. Not only is Russia now aligning itself with China, but also, I just read today how they are uh, negotiating with Kim Jong-un and North Korea uh, to get some weaponry from there. And of course, they are using drones from Iran. So you see this unholy alliance forming between China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. And it is very, very concerning. Uh, reminiscent to me of World War II, how you had the axis of evil, and then you had the free world. And so now those of us in the free world, uh, we've got to step up and be strong. I believe in the Ronald Reagan principle of peace through strength. Um, that's why I advocated in Congress that we rebuild our military after President Obama decimated it over the years. We are slowly doing that, but we have catch up to do. We don't have hypersonic weapons like Russia and China do. And some other areas I won't get into, they're classified. So it is very concerning. Mm. So um, what's the end game for Russia and China in the Ukraine, uh, Vicky? Um, is this a ploy to cause the United States to drain its supply of uh, weapons and maybe money and other things like that? Um, or is it really just about some ancient feud between the Russians and the Ukrainians? Is there something more or is it just localized? Well, I think initially, 
they were just thinking that they could go in quickly and retake that area that they are still, um, Putin is still chomping at and chafing after losing the USSR and wants to rebuild that. And so he wants Ukraine back. He wants all of that area uh, back. And, uh, but, you know, everybody even predicted, well, Ukraine's going to fall in a few few days. It'll be a piece of cake. And the Ukrainians stepped up and they said, no, I don't think so. We like freedom. We want to be a democracy. We want to be aligned with the West. And they stood up and fought. And of course, uh, we have come alongside, as have uh, the free countries in Europe, EU, trying to help them win that war. Now we're embroiled in this uh, a very difficult conflict, but we've got to stand by Ukraine, in my opinion. They've got to win uh, because if Russia succeeds there, they're going to keep rolling and they're going to go into the Baltic nations yet next um, and, and you know, take back that country. And they're evil. Putin is absolutely evil. Uh, what they've done to those uh, free people in Ukraine is absolutely horrific. And some of the reports that I've seen and read is just heartbreaking. I had the chance to travel there as a member of the Armed Services Committee a couple of years ago, and I was so encouraged meeting with them. Uh, a lot of their leaders were young. They were in their 20s and 30s, but they were sharp, many of them college educated. They almost all spoke English well. Many were entrepreneurs. But the thing they said that stuck with me is they said, we view ourselves as being the Thomas Jeffersons and the George Washingtons wow. and the Patrick Henrys of our day. We are throwing off totalitarianism and corruption and the, the things of the past, and we want to embrace and be a new country like you. And, you know, after having met them, uh, hearing them, after meeting with several pastors and others, I was invited to speak. They, they started a national prayer breakfast there, and they invited me to be the national speaker uh, nice. in 2020, and then COVID hit. And so unfortunately that had to be canceled, but there's a lot of good people there. And it's just been heartbreaking for me to, to see the bombs coming in and uh, tearing up their beautiful um, houses and, and their homes. Uh, but most of all concern for just the free people and what it's doing to them. Yeah. Well, so uh, we've got a lot of other stuff we could talk about, Vicki, but we do have a caller on the line that I'd like to go to. And uh, folks, if you have questions today for former Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, please call in 719-619-2341. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, so I'd like to go to Donna, uh, who's on the line from Texas. And uh, Donna, it says you're a Truth and Liberty and AWMI partner. Thank you so much for your support. What is your question today for Congresswoman Hi, Hartzler? Hi, Vicki. Um, I was at my physical therapist today, and he is um, a devout Christian. And he was saying, as we were talking politics, of course, he was saying that the, I made a comment about Biden's age. And he said that the Democrats are done with Biden as running, and they're going to go for Gavin Newsom. I don't know. Has anybody heard anything? Or maybe, Vicki, you know if you're in the— the now of uh, Washington, D.C. or something? Well, that is a, something I've heard as well, and it, it makes sense because you're right. The majority of Democrats think he's too old to run, plus they, they just don't think he's doing a good job. But I did hear uh, just analysis on TV. You may have seen the same thing from a 
someone in the former RNC chair, Reince Priebus, and he brought up an interesting point in that uh, the nuts and bolts of how you vote on a president, uh, people have to petition within each state and be certified. And he was pointing out that the time frame is almost too late for somebody else to get on the ballot in a lot of these states, like a Gavin Newsom. Uh, so he was saying, even though that's talk out there, the reality is it's probably not going to happen. So I found that interesting. I wasn't aware of all those details. I guess we'll see. But uh, uh, certainly it's it's very concerning to have a president who uh, is in this state and condition, and it's only emboldened our enemies. Uh, they see this as weakness, and it is. Um, I was sitting there in Washington, D.C. when the fall of Afghanistan happened, and it was absolutely, absolutely horrific. Um, but that emboldened Putin, and I firmly believe Putin would not have tried to go into Ukraine if he hadn't witnessed the weakness and the, the travesty that happened in Afghanistan. So it's important to have a president in there who's strong, who's mentally capable, uh, and who is uh, conservative and can make these uh, right decisions for our country. Yes, thank you, Donna. We really appreciate that question. Vicki, what do you think about um, RFK Jr.? Does he have a shot at uh, the Democratic nomination? Is it possible that he might take this thing away from Biden? No, I don't think so. Um, I think he's getting some traction, though, and that just shows the how most Democrats really uh, know that Biden is incapable and competent to lead this country. Um, the, the, the last poll I saw, which was a while back, but that he was at 12% or 20%, something like that, which that's that's a lot for uh, someone to come up, but I don't think he'll be able to prevail ultimately. Yeah, and on the Republican side, so was it last week or two weeks ago, we had the first Republican debate. Um, Donald Trump didn't show up, but uh, did an interview with Tucker Carlson, and I, I heard yesterday that the uh, there were over 240 million views of that interview, uh, while the debate got 7 million. So uh, Donald Trump is clearly still the newsmaker, clearly the leader among the Republicans. The, the big question is, what are, what's happening with these indictments? And are they going to actually prevent him from being able to be uh, the Republican nominee, or ultimately, if he were to win, to be the president again. Do you have any knowledge or thoughts about that issue there? No, and I'm not an attorney, but you know, I know there's 91 indictments, and there there's going to be a lot of court hearings uh, that's going to tie him up, and whether that's purposeful or not, I don't know. Uh, but it is has certainly caused a lot of sympathy uh, for yes. him, and a lot of Republicans feeling like he's being treated unfairly. And people who may not normally have uh, supported him in the Republican primary are thinking of uh, voting for him just because they feel like uh, as a reaction to the unfairness. But I think something that's encouraging is the field that we have as Republicans. You look at that debate stage, every person up there would do a marvelous job, certainly compared to Biden and has those values that we hold on to, very competent people. I mean, we have such a large uh, field there. And so that's going to be an option for Republicans moving forward, is, is that, okay, are we going to go with Trump? Uh, or is there somebody else on that stage who is running who also believes in those policies and would fight just as much to rebuild the 
military and have a strong economy and secure the border and energy independence and speak up for life, those things that we stand for, who, who doesn't have some of the other baggage and uh, kids could serve potentially eight years instead of four. And so it'll be interesting to watch to see how people, if they shift and they uh, end up saying, hey, you know, let's, let's uh, give somebody new a try. Well, uh, I think still today, even though, um, you know, the 2020 was almost four years ago, I think still a, a big question in many people's minds, many conservatives' minds, is that of election integrity. And uh, again and again, of course, the mainstream media says, oh, there's nothing there there. Uh, but if you go back to just before the 2016 election, just about every Democrat in the country was saying our system is vulnerable, the machines can be hacked, all this sort of stuff. Uh, do you have any concerns about the security of our electoral system and whether uh, we're going to see another um, questionable results again this time around or ha have any strides been made at all? Well, I was encouraged that uh, many state legislatures in the in the states that had questionable um, actions, uh, the legislatures took steps and passed laws to try to shore up the election process. And so I think we'll be a lot better off and have stronger uh, safeguards in place than before. Has every state done that the way we would like? Probably not to that extent. But I think the Republican Party is going to be more proactive, too, this time. And we can't wait and be on the defensive all the time. Uh, and you hear a change in, in tone and strategy that the National Republican Party is encouraging uh, us to embrace some of these uh, different tactics like ballot ballot harvesting that has been successful for the Democrats mm -hmm. and early voting. And uh, so the Republican Party is going to be encouraging Republicans to get out and start voting day one, whether it be six weeks before or whatever. We can't just sit back and let the Democrats vote, 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 vote six weeks and then try to get everyone out on one day. And that uh, hasn't worked. So I, I thought that was interesting. I've heard a lot of discussion on that. Uh, so just you, you, you deal with the cards you've been dealt. And so depending on what your state's laws are, you need to be as aggressive and legal about it, but uh, try to get our side out uh, to vote. And then we won't have as many worries, uh, hopefully. So I think we'll be fine, uh, but we're going to have to be strategic and aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the other big issues that's going on today is uh, um, the Hunter Biden investigation and really the congressional investigation of both Hunter and Joe Biden. And um, I think some of our worst fears have been confirmed uh, in that investigation that the, the corruption in that family really did go all the way to the top. Even uh, while Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States, he was uh, appears to have been making deals uh, with foreign uh, corporations, even possibly foreign governments, millions of dollars flowing through secret accounts, uh, the use of pseudonyms and secret emails uh, and all kinds of things between him and his dad, code names and other things like this. Vicki, are you uh, are you shocked at all by these revelations? And do you think that um, I'm just going to ask you, do you think that impeachment articles should be drawn up? Yeah, uh, we need to get rid of him. I mean, this is clear, clear uh, crimes, uh, terms for impeachment. You know, you have bribery, 
and high crimes and misdemeanors and treason. I mean, those are the reasons that you would go after impeachment. And of course, they went after Trump, tried to say that something was a, a, a high crime, that's debatable, but a bribe is a bribe. And you see this family getting millions and millions of dollars from foreign agents. Uh, it seems like bribery, clear bribery to me, and it is shocking. I'm so proud of, of Jamie Comer and the whole committee and the House Republicans who are getting this information and so that we know for sure uh, what's going on. And, and the Biden administration and the Justice Department has fought this at every turn. And we would not know as Americans if the House had not taken the majority uh, we wouldn't know this. And so I'm proud of the work they've done to uncover this. But now we've got to clean house and get rid of this guy. I, I, to your point, I mean, every day it's something new is unveiled, but that he, the president, while well, he's vice president, was using three different pseudonyms to send over 5,000 emails to his son, Hunter, letting him know about official duties that was going on to allow the Air Force Two to be used basically as a travel agency for Hunter for his influence peddling business, taking Hunter over 15 times on foreign trips where he met with officials and many times there was lucrative deals for Hunter that resulted from that, all because not Hunter was competent, but because it was just a way to sell the brand and to gain influence through Biden. I mean, this is this is a crime family here. Mm. And we have got to uh, clean house, if not through impeachment, then through certainly the polls next year. Well, and, and folks, I want to remind you, this is a Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Uh, call in with your questions now for Congresswoman Hartzler, 719-619-2341. Again, it doesn't matter what it's, uh, whether it's a Bible question or a politics question. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. So here's, here's another one for you then. Um, What's the point of impeachment articles? If you know the the Senate, there's no way to get a conviction over there with the Democrats in control uh, and not even being able to get close to 60 votes, uh, 66 or whatever it would take to convict. Is it still worthwhile to do the impeachment articles in order to what? Maybe just to expose the corruption and uh, make a statement? Yeah, certainly it would expose it. It would put it on the record. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people who aren't aware of all that the Biden family has gone on because of the, the TV channels that they listen to. And it is uh, being covered up in some ways. And a lot of people don't know about what all they have done. And they just see a clip of him and his aviator glasses smiling and looking like a nice old man when the reality is much, much different than that. So it certainly would do that, but also just for history's sake, laying down a marker saying this person did something that was wrong and the House of Representatives stood up and tried to stop it. Um, I think it's important, especially after you see what they did to President Trump impeaching him twice for far, far less actions. So um, I, I think it would have benefits. For things that he really was innocent of. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, to me, the corruption issue, there's a subset of that, and that's the politicization of law enforcement and the Justice Department. I think that's actually 
uh, a type of corruption, you know, where you are no longer doing your duty to enforce the law. You're using the, web, uh, the, the apparatus of government and law enforcement for political purposes. That may be even more corrupt than taking a bribe. It, it's incredible what's going on here. I saw today five pro-lifers are now in jail for supposed violations of the whatever that law is. I can't remember the acronym for it about, you know, um, not, not intimidating people in front of abortion clinics. Um, and, and uh, you, you know, does this concern you, Vicki? What do you think we need to do about this? Because uh, we're in dangerous, dangerous territory here with the Trump indictments and everything that the Obama-Biden Justice Departments uh, have done. Uh, what, what do we need to do? Yeah, well, they need to get a new president who's going to clean house uh, the leadership out of the Justice Department and make it accountable again to the U.S. people. Uh, it is concerning how the Bidens are weaponizing and, and using the law enforcement arms of the government to protect them and to go after their enemies. And this is something more reminiscent of what banana republics do, uh, and we don't ever want to see that here. That Having law and order has been such a gift in America compared to other countries. And it has allowed freedom to reign. But if you lose trust yeah. in that, then everything else starts breaking down. And so we have to restore that trust and make sure that people are upholding the law, no matter what office they're in, that the, the law enforcement agencies will come after you if you do wrong, and they'll uphold you and protect you if you do right. But we need to have that faith once again that uh, the law enforcement uh, arms is the good guys of government. Um, yeah, and as far as the the pro-lifers being arrested, I read that too. It's just it's just horrific. So we're going to have to stand strong as people of faith as we fight these battles and uh, hopefully take back territory through the elections uh, and put new people in who once again are going to uphold the law and not use it as a weapon against uh, good honorable people. You know, uh, speaking of pro-life. Um, uh, I think the reversal, the overturn of Roe versus Wade is one of the most momentous things that has happened in American history. Uh, and I think it's a cause for us to even today continue to celebrate. Well, how do you feel about that, Vicki? How important was that event? It, it was huge. You're right. The chances of that, actually, the Supreme Court overturning something is very, very slim. And this monumental decision, which has resulted in millions of lives being saved already, is just so encouraging. I've had the privilege of being a part of many March for Lives. I've had a mm -hmm. chance to speak at a March for Life once and, um, you know, stood out there in the cold. There was eight inches of snow the year I spoke and people, as far as the eye could see, uh, were there pro-lifers and wrapped up and they would clap with their muffled hands <laughs> and standing in the snow for hours because they were praying that once again every baby would have the chance to fulfill its god-given purpose and that roe versus wade would be overturned and to see that we actually had that uh, happen is an answer to prayer but it's not the end of the story we are still in a battle just different forms at the state level and at the federal level but for instance here in missouri uh, we have one of the most pro-life laws that was triggered and went into effect. It's saying life is, uh, you can't have an abortion, basically here in uh, Missouri. So what is happening is the uh, pro-choice uh, uh, 
people who have lots of money and those organizations have come into our state. They're doing uh, uh, submitting multiple initiative petitions to the Secretary yeah. of State, trying to put it on the ballot to undo all of that. And it is very radical and extreme. Uh, what this would do would make abortions up legal up until the moment of birth here in Missouri. So we would go from having one of the best laws and protections to one of the worst. And they are highly funded. They have slick ad campaigns. And uh, so Missouri's under fire, but this, so is Ohio, so is many other states. This is what they're doing. And so we have a new battle uh, to try to get the truth out about that and how important it is that they be voted down and that we protect life. Um, but then we also have a new battlefront and that is how abortions are done. Now the majority of abortions are done through uh, uh, pills. Uh, and they're they're not the traditional form of abortion at a clinic with through surgery, so uh, we have have to uh, think of new ways to counter that because it's very dangerous for these girls. Uh, they're getting these pills through the mail, and uh, many of them are resulting in injury or death. Um, so it's a different type of battle, but we've got to keep the battle going and right. uh, continue to protect life. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it, it is a continued battle and I know that there's an initiative on in um, Ohio this November and I, I didn't know about Missouri, but it sounds like the same folks are probably behind that um, and just as radical. So uh, once again, it's, um, this is an off year and so the turnout typically is lower. But this is why Christians have to be aware. We have to get out and vote. We have to continue working and be vigilant because literally lives depend on it. Um, and it's that serious. So, but on the, on the encouraging side to me, the Roe versus Wade um, is, you know, I think as we look at what's going on in America today, uh, a lot of people are kind of getting worn out, maybe a little bit discouraged with the onslaught of mainstream media and the, the billionaire liberals and the, uh, the schools and on and on we go and they just want to just kind of maybe run home and shut the door and put on something fun to watch and not pay any attention anymore because we're just tired. But you know, the pro-lifers are an example to us. Um, for 50 years they battled, for 50 years they tirelessly, like you said, pro-life rallies in the cold and, and every, in front of, praying in front of clinics and everything that led to over a course of a long time changing hearts and minds and um, ultimately winning that massive victory. So do you look at it that way too, Victory? I, I mean, um, Vicki, I'm sorry to give a little speech here, but can we take encouragement from that? Absolutely. I think of the scripture, don't be weary in doing good for in due Amen. season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And certainly the pro-life community is an example of that, not giving up. And so that's a good word for us as we battle in other areas uh, to that we will see victory uh, through God if we don't give up. Amen. Well, and, uh, you know, you served during uh, some times when there were liberal presidents and you served when there were conservative presidents. And uh, sort of like John Quincy Adams, duty is ours, results are God. You, you get in there and you stay in the fight until the job is done. Right. That's right. We can't, uh, we've got to be at the, at the battlefront, though. We've got to be there and engaged. And uh, I was honored yeah. to do that. And it's really showed me the difference. It was night and day between uh, the Obama administration and the Trump administration, how important it is. 
Yep. They have a conservative uh, president who has control of all the agencies and the leaders of that, and it truly does make a difference. Uh, not just the laws, but the people who are heading up all these agencies makes a huge difference. Well, folks, you're watching the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with uh, my special guest, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. We want to hear from you today on 719-619-2341, so call in, and we're going to take a little break back uh, for about 90 seconds, and then we'll be back with our third uh, segment here in just a little bit. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that he can manifest his glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. We're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and our guest, as I mentioned, is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. Uh, Vicki, I'm so glad you're on the show today, and uh, we're now into our third segment. So, guys, call in if you've got questions today. As I said earlier, when, when else do you have a, a chance to talk to, uh, personally ask a question of a congresswoman? So, uh, and, and there's no better than Vicki Hartzler, who faithfully served in Congress for 12 years, holding up biblical principles and ethics uh, like a real champion. So, uh, Vicki, I, as I said, I was uh, sad when you didn't get elected to the Senate. Uh, but, um, you know, sometimes you can do just as much good out of office as you can in, especially after serving. So, um, so I know God has great plans for you. But I want to continue just our, our discussion about current events for a little bit, if, if you don't mind. And, and another thing that um, I think is on everybody's mind right now is the economy. Um, it's really beginning to hit people uh, in, in major ways. I, we, had, um, we had someone call into the show last week who... He's, he, his question was very sad. It was like, does God really want me prosperous because I'm about to lose everything here? And, you know, um, uh, so, uh, what was it you were telling me before the show, the impact of inflation on people? W where are we in the, in the economy and, and what's the cause of it? What can we do to get things going in the right direction? This has been absolutely heartbreaking and infuriating uh, to watch because you said I was there under President Trump and, uh, and we rebuilt the economy and things were going good. And then when Biden took office, it's like he had a checklist of how to ruin our country. And every day 
he would do something that was devastating for the economy. And so I lay this whole inflation at his feet. And he's, uh, it's called Bidenomics. He's trying to embrace that and spin it. That's a good thing, but it's terrible. And the average person knows that. The latest statistics is that the average family is le- uh, it's costing them $700 more a month than it did two years ago just for the same basket of goods. And somebody else said it was about $10,000 a year. And I haven't done the math that that all works, but it's it's devastating. And the thing is, wages are not keeping up with that. And so people, families are going backwards financially, and they know that. And what is the cause? You put way, way too much money out there into the economy, which fueled inflation for one thing. Uh, We had supply chain issues, and so we had less goods being made, but people had more money and were spending, and so those goods got more valuable, the prices went up. So that's a huge uh, reason, but also because he shut off American energy, and the energy segment is a huge part of our economy, and we were becoming, for the first time, a net exporter of petroleum from our country under President Trump. And uh, Biden, what did he do? Well, he shut that off. He shut the Keystone Pipeline off. And he started uh, drawing fuel, petroleum, out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and put it out on the market to try to cover up his mistakes and to bring down the price of gasoline so he didn't look so bad. But that Strategic Petroleum Reserve is supposed to be used only for emergencies, if we're at war or something. And I heard this week that those have not been replenished. Now, they're not totally, it's not like we're totally out, but he drew down a large amount of that petroleum. And where Trump utilized when the prices were low, he went out and bought more petroleum and filled those reserves back up. Biden has taken advantage of that and uh, brought them down, which makes us uh, less secure. So it is his fault that we have this uh, economy plus the regulations that he has put on every industry and on small business. My husband and I own a small business. I mean, it's harder and harder to do things. It's harder to uh, um, hire people. There's less people with skills. That goes back to education. But also there for a while, it was hard to get people to work because they were being paid more to stay home than it is to go to work. You can't get your economy going again. Uh, if you can't find people to work. So just a multitude of bad policy decisions by Biden has caused this. The good news is if we have new leadership, we can get this reversed. It won't be overnight, but we can be energy independent again. We can cut regulations. We can cut spending from the federal government and uh, get government off the backs of people, and that will be helpful. Yeah, we need to. We probably need to scrap this radical uh, green energy concept and this green Uh, You know, it's almost like a false religion, it seems to me. These people are panicking about the environment all the time. I mean, from a biblical worldview, from a Christian perspective, we want to take care of the environment. We don't want to harm it or damage it. We want to preserve our resources for future generations. But at the same time, do do you think there's uh, uh, that that whole thing is maybe overblown a lot and um, that it's costing us dearly? Absolutely. It's just horrific that the Biden administration, both the president as well as the secretary of defense and others have said that global warming or climate change is the largest threat that our nation is facing. It's the largest threat for our military. Are you kidding me? Uh, That is so irresponsible and it is plain false. 
Uh, I'm with you that we need to have a clean environment, but we have a lot bigger problems than that. One is China and uh, our country acquiescing to them. You know, they signed on to this climate uh, Paris Accord, uh, as did President Obama, and it forced, it was a terrible policy, it forced our country to start doing all of these expensive things to try to cut emissions, and it still allowed China to continue to have a huge amount of emissions, building new coal-powered plants that don't have any of the safeguards on them to help bring down pollution, uh, till 2030. And so you allow the industrial engine of China to just go full throttle and take away business from America while shutting down our capabilities here. It has been a disastrous policy. Trump got us out. Now Biden has put us back in and he's doubling down on the green energy policies using all kinds of taxpayer dollars to promote these things when we should be uh, building our military and focusing on things that uh, really uh, are the most important thing to matter to most American families. Well, you know, Vicki, you said when Biden got in, he just one thing after another hurt America, just check by check. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of people in like globalist elite that really despise America and do not believe in free enterprise, do not believe in freedom, but they're Marxists at heart and they want to control, uh, you know, people's lives uh, and and uh, think that they know better and they they want to bring us down. Do you think that the do you think the Biden administration and his, and the people that work in his administration are they part of that or are they just incompetent? How 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 are what's really going on here? I don't know the Bidens personally and uh, some of their key people, but they certainly have, whether they believe it with their heart or they've just adopted it, uh, they are adopting socialist policies that communist Marxist philosophy that if they would just look at history and other places around the world, they should be able to see they don't work. And if they would just listen to the immigrants that have come to America legally uh, fleeing the, the totalitarianism of their country and how begging us not to embrace that, they would avoid that. And they need to be champions of freedom and free enterprise and capitalism and those things that have enabled us to be the greatest country in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're tearing that down at every turn, and uh, it's, it's very concerning. Yeah, we here in our home state of Colorado, the teachers union, the state teachers union actually passed a resolution uh, a couple of months ago where they actually condemned capitalism and said that it was the the cause of racism and all sorts of oppression and called for dismantling of it. And I, you know, I know there's liberals that are teachers, but this shocked me that they could be actually Marxists in a majority uh, voting position in our own state teachers union. Um, so that makes me wonder, you know, how widespread is this and how, how much, um, you know, are we in trouble as a nation? Is the, is the identity of the United States actually being threatened as the freest nation in the world, as the example of, of democracy? And I don't want to get sort of sky is falling here, but how bad is it, you know? Well, I, I think you're right, and those teachers, many of them are products of the universities. Yes. And that's where so many of our public universities have professors who embrace that and who teach that openly. And uh, that's why we have to 
be very concerned about where we send our children to college and university to make sure that that university is going to uphold the values that you have at home. We're losing so many Christian kids when they, even their faith, when they go to college, they, they do away with it. And so this is a huge threat. Uh, and you go back to the 1970s and 60s and some of those uh, liberal Marxists who wrote books and said, you know, let's go after our kids and let's change this generation so when they get to be adults, that's what they're going to believe. And that's what you're seeing uh, playing out. As Abraham Lincoln said, the education of the children in one generation will be the policy of the country in the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think we need to take back our universities, our public yeah. universities. I, I think that's a mission field for Christians to become professors Amen. Uh, and to be a counterweight there. It, it's a, it would be a tough call. Many of uh, Christians who are professors, you know, they're denied grants, they're uh, put down and stuff. It's it's tough. But, you know, if we're just going to totally cede this to the other side, it's concerning. But at the same time, we have Christian uh, university alternatives, thank goodness, and we need to continue to, to support them and uh, make sure that the next generation understands the greatness of America, the truth about capitalism, freedom, and uh, is able to embrace that and carry that out into adulthood. Amen. That's a, that's a great answer. Well, Vicki, we've got a couple callers on the line. Let me just go to one of them now, and it's Robert from uh, Arizona. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it looks like you are a Truth and Liberty subscriber and actually a Karis Bible College uh, graduate. So, hey, thanks for calling in, Robert. What's your question today? Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Um, yes, uh, you guys had me fired up, but... Um, I'm curious, what makes you think these Democrats are ever going to even allow us the chance to get back into power? Will we even have 2024 elections come next year? Mm. Sure. Well, Well, something that I heard that was encouraging to me is that most elections really are decided by the seven battleground states or eight, I don't know the number there. And so you don't have to have uh, the laws changed to strengthen the uh, election process in every state, like California, probably, you know, we're we're not going to have much opportunity there to elect conservatives. So let's just concentrate on the states, and you're in one, uh, Arizona, that's a battleground state, Nevada, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, some some of these states where we saw discrepancies, and that's where the focus needs to be to try to get those states to uh, change their laws. And like I said, I don't have the chart in front of me, but I saw the other day how several of these states They do have Republican House or Senate in their state legislatures, and they were able to pass some laws to strengthen those procedures. Uh, Plus, we know we can get some, uh, uh, do a better job of poll watching and uh, grassroots things on our side to stop it. We can be more proactive and try to, as I said, utilize some of the tools that are out there to get our people out to vote, fight fire with fire. Uh, So I'm not saying there shouldn't be any worries at all. But I, I don't think we should just cede it. And that's what the Democrats Amen. want Republicans to do. They want them to be so scared and believe that this is, there's, you know, it's no integrity that people stay home. Right. Uh, they'll try to suppress the vote. And we have to watch out for that, those messages. And, 
counter them and don't let them discourage people from getting to the polls and being involved in the system. Yeah, great point. I think if people get too scared of, a, of the election being stolen, they don't, some people don't bother to vote at all. They just throw their hands up and say it's rigged, and that's the absolute last thing we want to see happen. So, uh, Robert, thank you for your question. Uh, we've got another caller on the line, Vicki, and this is Alex. Uh, looks like he's from the state of Colorado. So, uh, Alex, thanks for calling in today. What's your question for Congresswoman Hartzler? Well, thank you for having me. So my question is, goes along with, um, you know how people only vote party? Well, this will be a presidential election coming up, and that means more people will be voting. So what sorts of um, other um, elections are going to be affected? Uh, will we see a flip-flop in the House or Senate at all? Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right. Many times there is a coattail effect from the presidential on down the ticket. Um, and so it does, you know, can Im uh, impact uh, the other elections. And certainly we are so glad to have a majority in the House of Representatives, but it's a very thin majority now. I believe it's five people. And so it could switch very easily and we could lose the House. And then we would lose the ability, if there's a Democrat in the White House still, uh, to investigate and to get to the bottom of these things and through appropriations to try to stop some of the initiatives. Um, but, you know, we're going to, I know uh, they're going to be out all over the country trying to fight to make sure that that doesn't happen. There is the chance too, one of the best chances in several years for the Senate to go Republican uh, because of who is uh, up on the ballot again for re-election and open seats. So it would be wonderful if we could get the House, keep the House and get the Senate and get the White House, then we would could really be able to get some things done. And uh, that certainly should be our goal and, and our prayers. Amen. Yeah, uh, thank you, Alex, for your question. Um, so 2024 is the presidential election. We've got one that's gonna happen actually before that, and that's in a few months here, and it's an off-year election, but I just wanna remind everybody about local school boards, county commissioners, municipal elections, all that kind of stuff in many states, not every state, uh, but we want to be faithful to vote in those as well. And, and getting back to the, uh, the question of voting and making a difference, uh, Vicki, you are a strong believer and you know God is a major part of your life. Um, what do you think we uh, churches and pastors can do to make a difference uh, in, in, uh, in this whole area? You talked about evangelism right at the beginning of the show, which I 100% agree with. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to see pastors you know, and churches do? What, from a, someone who's served in government, what are your thoughts about that? Well, certainly uh, preach the word and in, speak the truth in love. Uh, we need, there's a desperate need in this country for Christians to know what the Bible has to say about these cultural issues. And sometimes pastors shy away from giving sermons on that because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. But if people don't know, then they're going to be subject to uh, being swayed uh, to ungodly positions. So they have to be bold, uh, have to be you know, uh, care about the people, their community, and and be aggressive in that. And said so we've got to take back territory. And I think pastors have a a real opportunity to be a part of that, to care for the flock, to train it up, to teach it, and to go after and seek and save the lost, mm -hmm. and to be uh, encourage their congregation and equip them to evangelize. Like I said there at the beginning, the most important thing we can do to save America 
is to save the people in America and to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ because then you have a total different perspective on abortion and on whether and genders and mm-hmm. uh, just loving your neighbor and uh, having a strong national defense and all of these policies that are played out in Washington or in your state capital uh, they have a biblical basis for them that our founders established, and we need to know what that is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you had talked at the beginning, Vicki, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking here out loud, but you had talked about maybe going on a street-by-street basis for soul winning in your community. And, you know, I've heard about churches that will actually, like, adopt the city council or adopt the local government and begin to minister to the people serving there as human beings and as individuals, you know, with phone calls and and uh, notes of encouragement and maybe, you know, goodie baskets and showing up at meetings and, and expressing um, personal support, even if we may disagree with their policies and that sort of thing. How, how effective could that kind of an approach be for a local church? Love that idea. I love it absolutely because you've got to remember every elected official is a person. Yes. They're a real yes. person. And they're not all bad. It's not like they're evil or all good. I mean they're they're people. And the better relationship that you have with them, the more inclined they are uh, to listen to you and to have what you care about what you have to say. And it is a tough job too. Many, many times you get very few uh thank yous and a lot of uh you know, complaints and and things. So I think that's a wonderful idea. You develop that relationship, you get to know them. And then when there's an issue that comes up, they're probably more likely to sit down and you can listen and say, hey, can I share my viewpoint on this? Here's why I think. I mean, it it makes sense. The Bible says, hey, come, let us reason together. Uh, So I love that idea. And I, I wanted, we don't want to leave out also, as far as our country goes, that we need to pray. Yes. Obviously, yes. that's so important. And we all rely on and, and point to the scripture that we love in, in Second Chronicles 7. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. So we need to pray, but I would also add, I think too many times all we do is pray. And that's almost, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say the easy way out because I know some prayer warriors and they labor and they battle in the heavenlies, but we need to contend for the faith as well. And I've been reminded of that scripture in Romans that says, everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one they haven't heard of? Mm-hmm. And how can they hear unless someone preaches to Amen. them? Amen. And so we have to be bold individually too, not just pray, but to look and see like Jesus did the people and reach out and start a conversation or get to know your neighbor. Or like I was saying, our town, I think we're moving towards uh, the churches in the town, adopting streets, adopting the families in the streets, being purposeful once a month, going and knocking on the door, getting to know them, pray for them, go and make disciples. Uh, We've got to do the complete gospel. But if we will do that, I feel confident that America will continue to be a, a, a shining hill on the, uh, a shining city on the hill. And Amen. if we don't, then I'm, I'm concerned how it could go the other way. But there's, we've got a lot on our side and a lot, uh, a lot of examples from the past to inspire us. And uh, we've got God on our side as well. And that's the most important thing. 
That's right. If, if we'll do what he commanded us to do, his spirit will do the rest. And, and we'll right. see this nation turned around. I'm convinced of it. You know, I was teaching in our own practical government school here this, uh, this week, and I was talking to the students about worldview and how important it is that we, that we dive deep and we, un we need to understand what the other side thinks, why they think the way they think. Because, and I, I'd like to know your perspective on this. The average liberal uh, or progressive or whatever, they actually think that they're doing good. They think that they're uh, being merciful, compassionate, and that their policies are best for people. How, how do you engage in a civil dialogue to help uh, people see, uh, you know, maybe uh, a perspective that's more in line with truth? Sure. No, that's, that is a good insight. I think a lot of people don't recognize that, but um, many of them do have big hearts. They think that government is the answer to, they, they care about people in their community. They see them in need, whether it be physical needs or um, situations. And so they think, well, my job is to run for this office and get government to help meet that need, whether it be money or uh, they just think the money comes from somewhere, it grows on trees, yeah. or that there's people that have money, they don't need it or something, but they're, we're just yeah. gonna take it from them and we're, we're being compassionate and, and we're gonna give it over here. Uh, but when the opposite is, it's actually harmful in, in that way. I remember once when I was a state rep, uh, had a women's group come down to the Capitol and visited me, and they were promoting as part of their agenda uh, that they you know, were for abortion at all stages, and, and they wanted me to, to know that. And fortunately, I had some relationships with some of them. I've worked with them in other areas and things, but I was able to say, and they're like, well, well what about what about rape? You know, we, we certainly uh, think that women should be able to have an abortion with rape. And I was able, first of all, just empathize. I just said that would be an absolutely horrific situation. And we hope that no woman uh, would have to be faced with that choice. But having said that, two wrongs don't make a right. And I don't want that woman to live with that the rest of her life, the reality that she killed her baby and no, no baby should be killed because of the sins of their father. Right. And I just kind of left it like that. And they mm -hmm. just kind of sat there and listened Maybe. and some, a couple of them nodded, you know, and yeah. I said, so, and then I went on and I said, so that's why we must come alongside that woman and help them every step of the way during the pregnancy and afterwards. And that's why I support pregnancy care centers, Excellent. which are there to help and how we need to give that woman a hug and help them through that. And answering in a compassionate way like that, I don't know if I convinced all of them, but they weren't angry with me or I think they left seeing my heart uh, and, and realizing, okay, she's, she's doing this because she cares about the woman as well yeah. as the baby and you know so i think it's always good to to try to see where they're coming from but then just share your heart about why your policy is actually better for everybody that is such a good answer thank you for sharing that i hope everybody 
uh, was listening uh, on that one. I love it. Well, we've got a caller on the line, um, uh, and this is probably going to be our last question, I imagine. Uh, I'd like to go to Iona from Texas. And Iona, uh, my notes on my screen here say that you're an Andrew Womack Ministries partner and you're 92 years old. Congratulations on that, and thank you for supporting us. What's your question today for Congresswoman Hartzler? I was wondering what she thinks about the organization, uh, a convention of states. It was an organization that was formed after our representative in Oklahoma had been in in uh, Washington, and he was so uh, disgusted with the way the money was being spent. Um, and I just wanted to hear the the remarks that you might have on that. First of all, it's an honor to visit with uh, such a saint who's been so faithful for so long and an example for all the rest of us. So thank you for your life and what you're doing there to support the ministry here. Uh, but as far as the Commission of the States, um, it is a, a mechanism that our Constitution allows where the people could, uh, through a different mechanism, uh, change that Constitution without the other way is Congress passes an amendment and puts it out there. Um, it's there's uh, some support of it more so in some states than others. I know it's still being talked about here in Missouri. There's a group that's uh, you know supportive of that, and uh, so we'll see. It's difficult to do uh, to get that much support to be able to to move forward with it, but uh, it is a mechanism that's out there. All right. Well, thank you, Iona, for your question. Uh, uh, we have three minutes left in today's show, so let me just follow up with that with. Vicki, on the Convention of States, do you have any concern that if there was such a convention that uh, it, it, I mean, it's hard to imagine improving on the United States Constitution, frankly, and do, would there be a risk that they would make alterations that would be uh, not consistent with biblical principles, perhaps, and maybe be ultimately destructive? Yes, there certainly is, and that is the counter argument. Uh, I kind of share some of those concerns myself. Um, and so it, yeah, I, I think the Constitution is pretty fantastic the way it is right now. But, um, you know, some of the things I've heard that they want to change, maybe be term limits or the way spending is done. Well, that's generally, though, done through Congress. Yeah. And if you just, it, it may be quicker and easier just to replace the people who you have in Congress and to get that done. Uh, but, you know, that is, that isn't out there. But I, I share your, uh, your thoughts that that could happen as well. We have to be very, very careful with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, one last question for you, Congresswoman, and that is um, in, in uh, we've got a minute uh, and a half left, but do you have hope for America? I know you do, but can you share with us why? Yes, I, I do. There's a lot of concerning things to see and out there, though, and uh, the future isn't guaranteed. I, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic um, be, with the world, this national security situation and uh, the, the mindsets that are out there. But the hope that I have is in Jesus Christ and in God, and he ultimately uh, can do anything. And with a small number of, of believers praying and working, he can take that and multiply that effort, as you saw that he did with our founding fathers, the beginning of our country. And there's a lot more Christians now than there was at the beginning of our, our country who are uh, being faithful and praying and working. And as we be salt and light and as we go out of our church buildings and our houses and uh, engage the culture and, and uh, let them know about the truth of Jesus Christ and the wisdom of the 
policies that we have, uh, I feel confident that people uh, can uh, embrace those once again and our nation can continue uh, to be the city on a shining, uh, a shining city on the hill. Amen. And that's certainly my yeah. hope. I'm not going to give up. And there's always uh, power through the name of Jesus Christ. And that's Amen. where my hope lies. Oh, that's awesome. Well, folks, uh, uh, you've had the pleasure of hearing from former Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler today on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I want to encourage you guys that uh, the Truth and Liberty Conference is next week, so be sure to register. Come out and join us for an amazing event. Pick up a copy of Congresswoman Hartzler's book, Running God's Way on Amazon, and uh, you'll be blessed by that. And share this video with your friends once it's uh, posted to our archives. God bless you all, and we'll see you again on Monday on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty Livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.